Welcome, City fam, to a holiday weekend. I'm glad you guys are here. And for the Gwyn family, I just got, I got to take a minute and say it was a, it was a big weekend. Uh, I've got three kiddos, and this past Friday, my oldest, uh, Taylor, graduated high school. Uh, yeah. And not only that, she graduated valedictorian of her class. Uh, I, yeah. Yeah. Her mom and I, we don't really know where she got her smarts from. Um, I made up the invitations, and I wanted to put on there that she got valedictorian, and I had to look up how to spell it. I couldn't even spell it. So I know it didn't come from me, uh, but we, we couldn't be uh, more proud of her. And, and I don't know, if, for the parents in the room, just a quick little aside. You know, we all from time to time, and it's probably out of necessity, I don't know, but we, we tell our kids things that sometimes aren't true. Uh, I don't want to call it a lie, but that's actually exactly what it is, right? But we, we came about it honestly because our, our parents told us things that weren't true. And let me give you some examples, and, and probably you can complete these sentences. Um, if you swallow gum, it takes how many years to digest? Right? What is with that? Seven years? That's not true. Uh, if you cross your eyes, they will, yeah. Uh, if you take a shower during a thunderstorm, you're going to get electrocuted. What is, like, come on. Uh, <laughs> sit too close to the TV, and, it, yeah, um, this is every dad's favorite one. If you're, if it's nighttime and you're in the car and you turn the inside lights on, uh, that's against the law, right? <laughs> I don't think that's true, but it could be. So probably don't do it. Um, this is one I heard as a kid and I'm didn't really know what it was all about at the time, but I was told you can't be in the hot tub too long or you won't be able to have kids. Uh, <laughs> I think that had to do more with, they didn't want me in the hot tub, I don't know. Here's my favorite two, uh, my favorite two that just didn't hold up with time, right? When you were in school, they would tell you, you know, you have to learn math because when you grow up, you won't always have a calculator with you. Uh, okay, uh, and my favorite one, if you'll never be able to have a real job if you have tattoos. Uh, <laughs> you know, sorry mom, but uh, it worked out, it worked out for me. Um, in, in this series called Supreme, we've been going through the book of Colossians. And in this book of Colossians, it's, it's Paul. He's writing a letter to this church in Coloss, and they are, are, are kind of figuring things out. They're brand new to the faith. They don't really, um, it's, it's kind of like going to driver's ed. They're, they're, they're riding with training wheels. And Paul's trying to teach them what it means to truly follow Jesus and what the, the faith is all about and how to grow. He's like encouraging them towards growth in their faith in Jesus. But also, he's heard some, some, some uh, things that, that are going on that kind of bring him some, some pause, some like anxiety. He's, he's heard of a, a dangerous new teaching that's kind of making its way through the church, and he's wanting to bring their attention to it and caution them about it. And um, before we get into that, let me remind you of the theme of Colossians. We've said this each and every week, but Christ supreme is the theme. That's the theme of the entire book, Christ supreme, Christ above everything, Christ supreme in our life, like Jesus first in our lives, that's God's will for our lives. It's all about following Jesus. Jesus alone is worthy of our worship and our faith and our attention. Jesus is enough. We don't need anything else. It all points to Jesus, Jesus plus nothing. He's wanting to make that very, very, very clear to them. And we'll see why in just a second. 
So if you have a Bible, we'll be in Colossians chapter 2. We've made it into the second chapter. We'll be in verses 1 through 9. Uh, I want to read the whole thing, and then we'll kind of go back through and dissect it just a little bit. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you don't, it's going to be on the TV. Uh, if you want to follow along on your phone, it's the, the best way to do it is through the message notes in our app. You can have all the verses there, all the points. It's all there for you. So let's read together. Starting in verse 1, I want you to know how much we have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I'm telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I'm far away from you, my heart is with you, and I rejoice that you're living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So, so Paul, as, as any good parent does, he's got some guidance for his, his spiritual children. He, he's wanting to lead them in the right direction. He has some goals for them, if you will. So again, we're going to take a, a verse or two at a time and kind of unpack some things. And at the end, I've got two uh, takeaways for you. So first of all, let's go back to verse one. I want you to know how much I've agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea. So we, what we can see right off the bat is that Paul has this like deep love for the church. And, and clearly they, they've never met, right? Like he's never met these people, but he's burdened for them for some reason. Like he's agonizing over some of the things that, that he's hearing because he loves them. And not just the church in Colossus, but you see Laodicea, there's a group of churches kind of in that area. Like he, he's just agonizing. He has a love for the church. He loves them. He's burdened for them. One of the, one of the single most important qualities a Christian can have is a love for his church. And I'm not talking about any one particular church. I'm talking about the big C church, like all of believers, the, the, the local church, God's church, even though it's broken and imperfect, right? Because it's full of broken and imperfect people. You know this, right? I mean, if, if you haven't had a bad experience at a church, you probably haven't been to church, right? I, we all have stories. I have a lot of stories. Trust me, I, I, we can compare stories. I'm probably going to win because I have seen it all. The church is full of, of, of broken people. And many people have, have left the church, even left faith, not because of Jesus or anything he taught or anything he did, but because of Christians that were broken, something that was said to them, something that was done to them, something they witnessed that made them lose their faith for some reason. And it's kind of started this anti-church movement you can, you can see today. Kind of wanting to throw the, the baby out with the bathwater. See, Jesus loved the church so much, he, he gave himself up for it. Paul, he loved the church because he loved Jesus. 
Do we love the church? I think it's a good question to start with. Do we have a love for his church? That's kind of the place that Paul is, is coming from as he writes this letter. He's, he's burdened for them. He, he loves them. He wants to see them go in the right direction. He, move, he goes on in verse 2. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. What, what a cool image that is. Think about what it looks like to be knit together, to be tied together, bound together, a, a love for each other, a love for his church. You know, you think about it. If you're a Jesus follower, you're a believer, we have a whole lot in common. We, we all came to Jesus in similar ways. We all have this promise of eternity with him in heaven. We were all adopted into the family of God, brothers and sisters in Christ. We, we, we all have the same spirit of God living on the inside of us. So, so we have a, a pretty good start, right, in being united because we're family. We're, we're all in this together, and we're called to be united, knit together with the, the bonds of love. But to be truly knit together, you have to be together, don't you? Like you, you have to spend time with each other, get to know each other, develop relationships. You know, as, as a church family, like being knit together is, is all about unity. And you can't have unity without humility. I don't know about you, but I don't see a lot of unity when it comes to churches today. Like, not just within churches, but between different churches and denominations. It's a lot of disunity. To, to have true unity, you've got to have humility. Humility is the key that kind of unlocks that door to, to really have love and unity that, that Paul is talking about here. Now, in a different letter to a different church, Philippians chapter 2, he says it this way. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Working together with one mind and purpose. Our hearts tender and compassionate. Working together, we're all on the same team, kind of moving the same directions. How many churches have you seen that have no impact for the kingdom because they're so inwardly focused, fighting and arguing with each other. That's why at the city we talk so much about family because that's what we are. That's what we're called to be. Brothers and sisters in this thing together with, with a singular purpose and direction, like coming together unified and going a, a, a direction, taking ground for the kingdom. That's what the local church is supposed to look like. Not just a church, but a family. Not just somewhere you attend, but somewhere you get invested and live your life with, with other Christians, kind of going the same direction. So he's, he's burdened for them. He calls them to, to love and to unity. And then in verse 2, he says, I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So the word here that he uses for, for confidence, like he wants them to have confidence that, that they understand. That term understand, it goes way beyond just like a, a, a mental thing of, of comprehending, right? 
And the, the Greek word it comes from is synesis, refers to applying a truth to your life, right? Living it out, living for Jesus, walking with Jesus. This is kind of a theme throughout this book. We talked about it in week two. If you're really going to have a real faith in the real gospel of Jesus, your life is going to have fruit. It's going to have some evidence that, that tells people that you're, you're living for him. And when you're really walking with Jesus, you, you know this, if if you have a, a solid relationship with him and you, you have just a deep understanding of who he is, you spend time with him, you have a deep-rooted faith, you, you, you know this. As we walk with Jesus and we live with him and we hear his voice and, and we're led by him day by day by day, it gives you confidence, assurance. Like you, you know where you stand with God. When we as believers experience uh, spiritual truth, not just by knowing it, but by living it, it becomes understood. And, and it, it leads to that kind of assurance of salvation. There are people, Christian people sometimes, that doubt their own salvation. They don't know where they stand with God. And maybe you've found yourself in that position from time to time. But the problem isn't their lack of knowledge. It's a failure to apply what they know. When you live it out, when you're truly walking with Jesus, you know on a whole deeper level. It becomes more of who you are and less about what you do or what you call yourself. And so he's, he's telling me, he wants them to have confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is what? It's Jesus. Jesus is God's plan. He is the mystery, it all points to, to, to Jesus himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, all of it. Anything there is to know is found in Jesus. He's the, the key to all of it. He's not just a clue to it, he is it. In Jesus, we find all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Everything we might wanna know about God, his purposes can, can be answered. And, and this, is, this is kind of the driving force of this verse. It's found in Jesus. You look to, to the crucified and risen Messiah. It all hinges on the, the resurrection of Jesus. This is the foundation of our Christian faith. This is it, the resurrection of Jesus. The Old Testament points to Jesus. Hundreds, hundreds of prophecies fulfilled in the life of Jesus, in the death of Jesus. Then you have the New Testament that testifies Right, that gives firsthand accounts of his, his life, his ministry, his death, and yes, his resurrection. Jesus is God. This is something that Clayton has been referring to week after week. Jesus is God, why? Why do we know that? Because he said he's God, and then he backed it up by coming back to life. That's the foundation of our Christian faith. That's where it all starts. That's what it's all about. There is no other hidden mystery, some other way to get to God, some other new revelation that, that we haven't heard yet. It's, it's all in scripture and it all points to Jesus. It's all about him. And he wants them to be crystal clear with this point because they're getting bombarded with, with something else. Some, some twisted form of the gospel. We don't know exactly what it is, but he warns them of it in verse four. So I'm telling you this, Jesus, 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 right? He is the reason. He's the focus. He is God. I tell you this so no one will deceive you. 
with well-crafted arguments. For though I'm far away from you, my heart is with you and I rejoice that you're living as you should and that your faith is in, your faith in Christ is strong. So he's kind of encouraging here, like, listen, I know you're hearing some different things, but way to go because your, your faith is still strong in Jesus, but, but don't be deceived. Don't be deceived by well-crafted arguments. There, there's no hidden spiritual knowledge necessary for salvation or for living, living with Jesus or, or sanctification. We talked about that a few weeks ago, like that process of becoming more and more and more like him. There's no secret knowledge or revelation to be had outside of Jesus himself. You know, sometimes Christian books can help us maybe further grasp some, some spiritual truths. But in my opinion, sometimes they, they cross the line trying to, to add to scripture something that isn't there. And it sounds good. It makes you feel good. And it, it's, it's, it's dangerous. Paul is saying here, that kind of stuff is dangerous. We're going to jump to verse eight, eight because he kind of is still in the same line of thinking here. He says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies. This, this word capture here in, in the Greek literally means to take captive, right? To kidnap. Don't be kidnapped by empty philosophies and high sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world. Who do you think that is? That's Satan. He's saying this high sounding nonsense, these philosophies come from human thinking and spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. He says it so clearly right there, God in a human form. Jesus is God in a body. Don't be carried off. Don't be kidnapped by these, these philosophies. Now, did you know you're a philosopher? You and I, we're, we're all philosophers. The word philosophy comes from two Greek words that mean to love and to pursue wisdom. And since we, we all have worldviews, we all have kind of the way we see things, we, we all come up with our own philosophies. We're all philosophers. The church in Colossus had some philosophers and they faced the, the danger of kind of being infiltrated with this, this false teaching, this kind of twisted gospel. And what you can see throughout church history is the church has fought to, to maintain just the integrity of the doctrine of the, the true gospel, the purity of it. Anything other than the pure doctrine of the gospel, Jesus plus nothing, comes from Paul says, human thinking and, and Satan himself, it's, it's demonic. See, sin and our own rebellion, man's rebellion against God, it's, it's broken our minds. It's like warped our thinking. Our thinking is clouded. In Romans chapter 1, Paul says it this way. He says, they knew God. He's, by they, he's talking about wicked people. They're wicked because they, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says that people who aren't spiritual, they can't receive truths from God's spirit. It sounds like foolishness to them. In Ephesians 4, he says that Gentiles are, are non-believers. They're hopelessly confused. Their, their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they close their minds and harden their hearts against them. But 
You, you know this as well as I do. People love to debate things. They love to try to prove how smart they are. They love to sound like they've got it all figured out. Like their view and their way of thinking is right. Everyone else is wrong. Everyone else is missing it. Paul calls it high sounding nonsense. And he's telling us, listen, we don't get to come up with, with our own truth. What we think doesn't matter. What matters is the truth of God's word, scripture. We don't get to pick and choose. So this is something we talked about again in week two of, of this series, like that salad bar kind of faith, this, this culture gospel that I wanna take this and this and this because it makes me feel good and it lines up with the things that I'm already doing. But this, this, and this, I don't know if I agree with that. It doesn't really line up with the way you know, I'm living, so I'm gonna throw that out. Paul's saying, we don't get to do that. We, we don't get to pick and choose. And there's a ton of this in our current culture. And kind of the way I see it, it's like you have two extremes with everything else in between. You have people that are claiming that they have some kind of new revelation from God, some kind of new insight that no one's ever thought of before, some kind of, of key and formula that'll make you happy and healthy and wealthy, that, that prosperity gospel that Clayton talked about last week. You have that all the way down to this, this dumbed down version of the gospel, whatever's left in your memory of whatever you learned in Sunday school as a kid or what your grandmama taught you or what you thought it looked like to follow Jesus, which in no way resembles what scripture says living for Jesus actually looks like. And so you've, you've kind of dumbed it down. You've made it easy, right? It's easy. It requires nothing of you. So, so you refuse to hold your life up to anything, to scripture and compare it or be challenged or, or in any way grow spiritually. And you're just stuck in that way of thinking and, and you never really experience what living for Jesus is all about. Paul would call that, it's a, a foolish idea of what God is like. And it's dangerous. It can lead us to, to a, just a twisted view of the gospel. He says it's, it's nonsense. Then he finishes, starting in verse six, he says, and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Just as you accepted Christ, continue to follow him. That's a daily active pursuit. Continue to follow him. Once again, a theme throughout this book. This is a lifestyle. Walking with Jesus. It means following him, living in union with him, patterning your, patterning your, your lifestyle after Jesus himself. First John 2, 6 says this, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. You remember those bracelets from the 90s, you know, WWJD? What would Jesus do? There's so much truth in that. That's the standard for our life. Follow, that's what, it, I mean, following Jesus. We're, we're following his example. And the Greek terms here, when he's talking about standing strong, he, he uses a couple of words that translate to good discipline, and stability. It's kind of cool. They're, they're military terms. Good discipline, stability, 
strength, like being, being stable, firmly rooted. Like a, like a tree, he says, with deep roots in rich soil. He's telling us our lives as Christians should be rooted in the gospel of Jesus. Not in a denomination, not in any other philosophy or religion, but in Jesus. Jesus. Then he becomes that source of strength, right? Stability as our roots are in him and our source of nourishment, of growth, of fruit in our life. It all comes from him. And as we walk with him, we're built up in him. We become more and more and more like Jesus as we walk with him throughout our lives. In another letter to the church in Ephesus, Paul says something very, very similar. He says it this way. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. I love the mental picture of just the roots growing down into Jesus, growing down into the love of God. I love it so much, I, I put, the, put it on my body permanently. <laughs> the root system of a tree. I mean, it's such a powerful mental image. If you, if you look at it, it's like not, not only does the root system give it stability, right? There, there's all kinds of things that we don't see happening under the ground that hold that tree up. If you have a, a weak root system, you have a weak tree. If you have a strong root system, <laughs> You have a, a strong tree. So it gives it stability, but it's also pulling up everything it needs for life. Everything it needs to, to grow, to be healthy. It pulls up from, from this root system. So everything that you see comes from all of this that you don't see. This is what our, our spiritual lives should look like. Now, if you had a tree, maybe it's beautiful, maybe it's tall and it looks healthy or whatever, but it's got some issues. Maybe it has a weak root system. What's something, you know, I know we don't have a lot of trees in this part of the country, but what's something that could expose those weak roots? Something that we have a lot of in this area, which is wind, right? If that tree with this weak root system gets hit with any kind of force of wind, it's going down. It exposes it. I had an opportunity, it's been almost exactly 10 years ago. Uh, in 2011, I went with a team to Joplin, Missouri. If you remember, they had that just huge tornado that went straight through the, this little town, just devastated it. I mean, the loss of life was, was incredible. And just the, the destruction, things we, I just never have seen before. There, there are no words to describe just the awe of, of looking at what this storm did to this town. And when we were driving in, you couldn't quite see the damage yet. And we were like, you know, this doesn't look so bad, you know. And as we're driving into this neighborhood, as we got closer and closer and closer down to, to ground zero, you could see the houses as, as you drove, almost house by house, they just started getting worse and worse and worse off until there was nothing left but foundations. I mean, nothing. And we got down into this, this alley where you could look down the length of the town and you're talking like a half a mile wide uh, stretch of, of, of the path of this, this tornado and there was nothing left. I mean, nothing left except for a few trees. They weren't pretty. They didn't look like they had before, you know. They, they were completely smooth, like they've been stripped of all their bark. It looked like they've been sanded down smooth. 
they lost all their leaves, all the, the more fine branches, but the structure of the tree was still there. Why? Because they obviously had a strong root system. It held, held up in that storm. They survived. Now, when your life gets hit with the storm of the century, and maybe it has, maybe, maybe you've been through something like that, but it's, it's going to happen to all of us. When your life gets hit, is your faith going to be able to withstand it? I think it has a lot to do with what you're, what you're rooted in. Let me put it this way. Maybe you feel like you're good, right? Your faith is where it should be. But parents in the room, what are you doing to build that kind of faith in your kids? Like, will their faith be strong enough, stable enough to withstand just the, the daily onslaught of life and friends and pressure and temptations and eventually even professors that, that are just tearing away at that foundation of faith? Will their faith endure? Because guys, we're, we're, we're still living. The days of our testing, the testing of our faith, they're not over. There are more storms coming. You know, we talked about this in the Daniel series, Kings and Kingdoms, but we are in the, the final days, the end times. Just look at the news, what's happening with Israel and everything else. We don't know what's coming down the line, but we know this, a storm is coming. What are you rooted in? So that's, that's my takeaways. A couple of different ways to, to, to root ourselves, to put our roots down. First, we need to put our roots down into your church family. Put your roots down into your church family. There, there's so much of this um, church hopping or church shopping. Like you, you like this preacher over here, you like this music over here, and someone looked at you wrong and hurt your feelings at this church, so you're gonna go to the other church. Like, like pick a church, find a church that preaches the word of God and put your roots down, stick. Put your roots down into your, your church family. And we're coming off of this season, you know, with, with COVID and everything else, like it was necessary for a time to, to watch online. Maybe you're watching online today to watch from home. That was necessary for, for a season, but that season has to come to an end eventually because we need each other. We need relationships. We need face-to-face -face contact. If we're really gonna be knit together in love and unity, we've gotta be together. Back to that, that thought of being knit together. You know, when you're living in just a loving, forgiving community of people that are following Jesus, your faith will grow because that's how it was designed to work. If we're gonna have a strong faith, it's gotta, it's got to start with being rooted in a community of people that are following Jesus with you. Do you have this kind of community in your life? I mean, outside of the, the back of the head you recognize in the pew in front of you, right? Like, do you have real, knit together relationships in your life? We need to put our roots down into our church family. We also need to put our roots down into Jesus. Put your roots down into Jesus like Jesus, nothing else. Spend time with them. If you're gonna put your roots down in, into him and build your faith, again, 
I say this all the time, but that doesn't happen by accident. <laughs> that happens on purpose. That means spend time with them. Open the scripture, read it, study it, learn it. The, measure everything that you do or think or say, it should all be measured against the truth of the scripture. God's word is alive and active. Jesus said his words will never pass away. His word never returns void. God's word in you, it always does what it's supposed to do. It exposes things in you that you didn't even know were there. Read it, study it, build your house of faith on the rock, not, not on sand where the next storm is just going to wipe you off the, the face of the earth. So I have a few ways to respond here. You know, James said it, it does no good to just hear something and then walk away and not apply it to your life. That's what we've just, just talked about. You know, it's, it's not about a, an understanding. It's about application, right? So, so what are some practical ways that we can respond today? I don't know if one or two of these are for you, maybe two or three, maybe there's just one that God is kind of leading you towards, but I would encourage you as we go through this list, ask God, man, which one of these is for me today? Here's ways to respond. First, start following Jesus. And that can mean a couple different things. Maybe you're, you're a believer, you're a Christian, but man, you're not, you're not walking with him. You're not, fo you're not truly following him day by day. It's, it's not a, a relationship. Maybe you're a Christian in title, only, but man, you gotta, you need to start walking with him, start living for him. But maybe for some of you, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. This, this is your time. Start a relationship with Jesus. Respond to, to, to his call, right? He's, he's been chasing after you. He's been pursuing you. I, I believe you're here for a reason today. God is after you. Just waiting for you to, to turn to him. He, he loved you so much. If you hear nothing else today, God loves you. He loves you perfectly, perfectly, unconditionally. But our sin separates us from God, right? So God had to make a way for us to, to be reconciled to him, to for our relationship to be made right with him. So he sent Jesus. He lived that perfect life that we can't live, right? Because we're sinful. He died a death on the cross that we deserve. He took our punishment for our sin. He died, but he didn't just die. He rose from the dead. He conquered death, conquered sin. And now we have, we have a bridge between us and God and what Jesus did for us on the cross. All we gotta do is put our faith in him. It's not some magic prayer you pray. So it's an act of God. I put my faith in Jesus, what he did for me on the cross. I know I'm not good enough. I know I can't earn a relationship with you. I know I can't earn eternity with you in heaven. I put my faith in Jesus and best I know how I commit to following him. If that's never a decision you've made, don't waste another second of your life. Make it today. And we've talked a lot about family. Man, we're your church family. We, families help each other. We wanna help you in your relationship with, with Jesus to, to grow and to learn what it means to follow him. So we, we challenge you to let us know about it. You can let one of the pastors know you're making that decision. We'd love to chat with you about it. You can do it on the app if you want to, on the connect form. Let us know you're making that decision. We wanna talk to you about next steps, help you grow in your relationship because that's what families are for. The next way we can respond is Attend regularly. 
Now this isn't some legalistic religious thing where I'm like, well, if you're not in church every week, you're sinning against God. That's not what we're saying here. We're saying we need to meet together. So if, if you're a, an Easter and a Christmas Eve person and some smattering of attendance here and there, man, just bump it up to once a month. If you're a once a month attender, maybe try twice a month. We, we need to be here in person to worship together as a family, to, to hear the truth of God's word, to, to be together face to face. Attend. The next way, go a step further, membership lunch. Like we do membership at the city for a reason. We wanna see who in our church family is, is really on our team, who wants to get in the game. Put your roots down and to stick here and to join us in what God is calling us to do in our city. You can sign up under our app, under the signups. Just, just come here, Clayton, talk about the church, where it's been, where it's going, what we're all about. And you can decide for yourself, is this somewhere I wanna put my roots down to stick and to join with them in, in the ministry? Next. City groups, man, I love talking about this one. That's kind of what I do here, right? It, we need community. Did you know to really have that, that knit together kind of Jesus-centered community that we were all created for, that we all desperately need? You can't get that just on Sunday morning. It's just logistically impossible to develop those kinds of relationships. You know, rows are great, circles are better. We all need to be in just smaller communities of people that we know and love and trust, and we're all following Jesus together. You need it worse than you know. So I would encourage you, man, that's another option on the, the Connect form. Let, let us know you, you're interested in a group. That doesn't commit you to anything. That just gets your number to me, and we can talk about, is there a group that fits you, your life stage and married or single or kids or no kids or whatever? Or I can help you start a group with your friends and family. I mean, it couldn't be easier. I'd love to talk to you about it. Lastly, daily devos. This goes back to the, let's be rooted in Jesus. Let's, let's open his word. Let's learn scripture. Let's apply it to our lives. In our app, you can open it right now if you want to take a look at it, if you haven't before. But this is something we work hard on. We, we, every single day of the week, we have a, a new devotional for you. You can open it right now. You'll see a Monday through fr Friday. You click on Monday. It's going to open up. Um, a worship song to listen to. There's prayer and Bible study section where we've taken a section of scripture for you to read and then followed by a commentary from a theologian like on that scripture to kind of dissect it a little more. And then the next page you'll see uh, some different questions, kind of ways to get us thinking about how this applies to us. And then a couple of ways to pray. If that's something you you lack in your life is just that discipline to, to study and to apply the stuff to, to, to your life that you're learning, that's a great way to start. I mean, it, it would take you 10 minutes. So, so as we sing in a minute, I want you to look at this list. Think through it. Just ask God, like, what's my, they're probably not all for you, but there may be one where God's really kind of stirring your heart. Man, that's, that's me. I've been putting it off for a long time. I know that's me. As we sing, I encourage you to, to let God don't just close the door here, right? We don't want to walk out and not be changed. So ask God what he's leading you to do. What's a step that you can take? And just let him kind of continue whatever he started in your heart today. As we, we seek as believers, again, to, to follow, walk with Jesus, to be rooted in him. Would you pray with me?
God, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for how much you love us and how you want what's best for us. And God, we know, we know that your way is best. And so today, God, as we, as we sing, as we worship, I pray you would solidify in our hearts what our next step is. God, it, it's time for the kind of the rubber to meet the road here. We, we want to, to be about following you, the, the real deal. True believers in the true gospel. Our lives rooted down into you so that when we face life's storms, when we get that phone call that we're not expecting, when we get the, the news we, we never thought we would get, that our, our faith in you would be strong and unshakable and immovable. And yeah, maybe we'll be beat up and battered, but we're still standing, God, because our lives are built on you. God, strengthen us. Let our lives be rooted in Christ and your love. Our lives be built on you so that you would keep us strong. We love you, Jesus, in your name.